You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello, Habs fans. Welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Montreal right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, welcome to episode 228 of the Press Zone, to be uh, to be precise. Uh, we are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. A shout out to those fine folks. And as well, we uh, give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, and you will hear from them in a bit with a special offer for new users. Um, but first, allow me to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Amy Johnson, and I am the host and lead correspondent at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by my tremendous co-host. He also happens to be the founder and president of Rocket Sports Media, our editor-in-chief as well. Uh, and he's the one and only Rick Stevens. Good afternoon. Are you celebrating your birthday yet? <laughs> well... <laughs> It's not I, today. I didn't ask you not to reveal it, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because right right from the opening. Right um, up, right off the top. Right up front. It's birthday. It's your birthday week. It is. It is. I won't tell people what day. Later this week. Just, I won't. It's not, it's not today. Today being Tuesday, because we're, we're recording on Tuesday. That's right. Yeah. So I won't say what day of the week it is. I All just right. happen to know that hey. your birthday is this week. So it is. Same. I'm not celebrating yet, but okay. but thank you. You're welcome. Happy birthday. I am I take full advantage of the week long birthday celebration. So All right. <laughs> it's fun. Um it's more fun than the Habs have been having lately. True. Uh not more more fun than um fantasy sports, which you seem to have had a good week. I went four for four this week. In fantasy football, and then there's uh-huh. the hockey on top of that. I lost both of those this week. You lost Perfect in fantasy football and a big fat zero in. Well, it wasn't a zero. I still got oh, you still pointages, got the points. Yeah, yeah. but I just one of them was a complete, just bad. Mm-hmm. It was Shane. You're up against Shane. I was, uh-huh. and he trounced me. Um, but then I, I, I had a close one against I think Michael, uh, Michael E. Uh, in. Uh, in the second one, so yeah, it was a uh, it was an okay week for hockey, uh, very good week in fantasy football for me. Congratulations! Thanks. How about you? Uh, I think I went two and two in um, in fantasy football. I was in a, kind of an awkward position 
last night, as in my ESPN league, I had uh, Patrick Mahomes going, so cheering for him, mm. except I was playing against Mahomes um, in one of my Yahoo leagues, so I was kind of, well, you need to get this many points, but not this many, and, you know, I <laughs> just right. couldn't, yeah, I couldn't. I know. Couldn't make it work. Um, Halloween was this weekend. Uh-huh. And I didn't get any candy. And I'm a little disappointed about this, but it was a little busy this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Gotta say, but I'm, I'm, uh, longtime listeners of the show will know that I am, I am quite sad to announce that I have discovered that there is a member of the Rocket Sports Media team who likes candy corn. Are you asking me to put that question on our application process? Is I, that I didn't? I was not aware that that needed to be uh, a stipulation, and I have found out in hindsight uh, that it does. Maria, You're that opposed to, to Maria candy corn. loves the stuff. Okay, loves it. I found out two interesting things. Well, the funny thing is, uh, of course, longtime listener, former RSN contributor, Kathy, I pulled her in on the conversation. I said, oh, Kathy, you you can tell her how I feel about candy corn. Anybody who has listened to this podcast for all of the years that we've been doing this has, has heard me talk about candy corn every gosh darn Halloween. Uh, and it is how it's just the most vile substance on the face of the planet. Not only did I find out the interesting information that Maria loves the stuff our dear colleague and friend mike rashel says he had never heard of it until quote this year when it seemed to blow up around halloween end quote i shouldn't put quotes because that was pretty much paraphrasing but claims he had never heard of candy corn until this year i think that a dairy farmer would be familiar with all (laughs) forms of corn (laughs) well this is true (laughs) this is true so I told him it's been around since the late 1800s, unfortunately. And I, it seems that Maria, I told him if you like vanilla flavored wax, then go ahead and try it. Uh, Maria seems to have convinced him that he needs to pick some up and try it. So we'll see if, I don't know, we might have to exile both of them <laughs> to a far corner of the team. I see. Um, I have very strong candy corn opinions. <laughs> uh, we've heard we've heard over and over, over and yeah. over again well um it was uh i i know that we talked about this on saturday on the canadians connection that it's and and in fact i think you, even your game preview on sunday was was titled trick or treat with a question mark uh, because well let's just say that the montreal canadians lots of tricks not many treats um it's been a it's been a rough uh it's been a rough run uh so we are going to talk about uh this this start that the canadians continue down the path of of not winning uh but more importantly we're going to talk about the roster movement that's taken place this week with cole caulfield going down to laval uh and michael pozzetta and alex belziel both being recalled um by the Canadians uh, to play on Tuesday night against Detroit. Uh, In our second segment, though, we are going to focus on the Rocket and how they performed last week. Uh, They had a three-game homestand last week, and uh, certainly coming off of a a weekend road trip where they went one-and-one with a shutout for and a shutout against, uh, I think they were probably hoping to uh, have a a decent homestand last week. Uh, The... 
numbers didn't quite go in their in their favor uh, in each game, though. So we'll talk about that. We've also uh, got audio for you uh, from JF Uhl and and some of the players that we'll go over. Lots of stuff there. And then in our third segment, we've got some great AHL news to, to bring to you. Um, but our dear friend Patrick Williams is back for uh, this week's edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Oh, it is a great conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the, the fact that the AHL has had its first COVID game postponement. Uh, that's kind of like an ominous sign. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, now that we're a few weeks in, what's attendance been looking like and little kind of uh, segment for Patrick Williams on the AHL hot stove who's hot and who's not he's gonna right. he's gonna give us a, a look at what teams have come out really hot out of the gate and which key which teams are uh, surprisingly not doing well uh, so we've got all of that coming up in the third segment it's gonna be a great show today so Rick yes what do you get when you have a team that continues to lose and lose and lose and puts up a historically bad record for losing at the beginning of a season. Like how many years has it been since it's been this bad? Since the 1940s. 70 years. More than 70 years. Uh, this is a very bad start for the Canadians. The road trip didn't go so well. Um, I think, and I and I know this was something brought up, but I, I think a concerning part of it too is, okay, they've gotten two wins, but then they didn't do anything with them. It's not like momentum in those games ever, any ounce of momentum or confidence that they might've gained out of those has ever carried over. Um, I mean, it was just, it was one tough to watch game after another last week, it seemed. For sure. And and I think for fans, uh, for many fans, I think they're still kind of in shock. Um, I know that, that um, I expressed concern uh, during the preseason that I didn't like the way that the Canadians were playing. They were, they were getting dominated five on five. Uh, special teams, yeah, weren't great, uh, but but the concern for me was that they were getting dominated five on five and heard back. Listen, um, uh, how many points are you know are collected during preseason? And don't worry about and all the you know. Just wait till the season starts. The, the switch will flip, and and they'll be that team that was in the made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Um, and I think that that. Um, you know that that fans were were just burying their heads during the preseason, mm -hmm. and even once the season started, that oh don't worry, oh don't worry. Um, but there was reason to worry right from from training camp uh, that there was going to be issues. Certainly, um, I think many um, underestimated the impact that both uh, with both Shea Weber and Carey Price being out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. uh, they were always uh, discounted as far as the uh, the impact on and off the ice that they had by by some um, and certainly that we've we've seen quite quite a different situation uh, as as the season has started the team has looked disjointed it, it's there's they're suffering from a lack of, of leadership. Um, 
goaltending's been subpar. Uh, you know, the, the the defense has not been good. Jeff Petrie is not comfortable in the position of a, of a top pairing defenseman. Um, and then the fact that uh, they're getting dominated uh, on five on five play, which used used to be their bread and butter, uh, they're getting dominated in in the neutral zone, and they're playing uh, an entirely predictable style that's being exploited by the opposition. Um, and and that's not. I mean, you can talk about individual struggles and individual lack of goal scoring and all of that, but I think, you know, overall it's a it's a team issue, and and uh, now it's just spiraling downhill. And it's 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 um, the Canadians have experienced a lot of things uh, in their very long history, but this team is particularly it's a historically bad start mm-hmm. uh given that it's been 70 years since uh, they've they've come out of the gate like this so now they limp their way back to montreal and they'll open a homestand uh, on tuesday night with another visit by detroit who uh, gave them their first victory of the season a couple of weeks ago um we'll see you know th- the Canadians team that beat Detroit a couple of weeks ago, I, I I know it sounds nuts to say this to a degree, but was a different team than the team that's going to face Detroit tonight. At that point, they hadn't won a game in the season yet. They were desperate for a win. Um, and Matthew Perot had a, a, a momentous night uh, with his hat trick and, and so on and so forth. Um, there is no Matthew Perot in the lineup tonight. Um, in fact, and we're going to talk about the fact that there's some fresh faces. There's even going to be an NHL debut tonight. Um, so will some of that bring a, a spark of energy? I don't know. But now now this team has gone from being the team that was desperate to get their first win to, okay, they got that first win, and then they couldn't sustain that. And they eked out one more win against San Jose while they were on the road, and then continued to lose, 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 lose. So um, now it's kind of been the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle. Um, so we'll see. And, and you know, granted, um, Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin won't be in the lineup for, for Detroit, so they're down a couple of players. Um, Gallagher is a game-time decision again. It looks like Petrie should play. Um, it's going to be... I think that the game against Detroit is going to be a big test for how the Canadians are going to set up this homestand this week. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, should of course mention and remind folks, if you aren't already, please bookmark allhabs.net on your internet browser and follow at allhabs on Twitter. That's where uh, Rick has live game coverage on Twitter and updates for all Canadians news on, on Twitter. And then of course at allhabs.net, uh, full blown comprehensive game previews. Uh, he coordinates that, uh, as well, uh, with Sam and Cole, the three of them put out the, the game previews on game day. And then Rick has a very comprehensive, very thorough game recap after each Habs game that you don't want to miss at allhabs.net either. Um, but the big story, I think, for the, the big stories around the Detroit game, Rick, will be who is and is not going to be in the lineup. Uh, let's start first with who 
a, a, a big name that's not going to be in the lineup, and that is one Cole Caulfield. Um, you know, I anecdotally said to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, it might have it been like a week and a half ago, anecdotally said, if they keep this up and they keep losing like this and Caulfield keeps not putting up any points, are they going to send him to Laval at some point? And um, apparently we have the answer now. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting uh, in the coverage over the weekend um, that it was Pierre Lebrun. And Pierre Lebrun is a good friend of Mark Bergevin's. Sometimes um, Lebrun is used to convey messages. Um, and Pierre Lebrun said... Um, that it would have shy if he had been told at the beginning of the season that there was a possibility of of Cole Caulfield being uh, demoted to uh, Laval, he he you know he he wouldn't hold much uh, credibility in in a report like that because you know at the beginning of the season Cole Caulfield was the odds-on favorite to win the Calder and and expected just to pick up where he left off in the playoffs and and be a uh, you know, a significant contributor in the top six, playing with Nick Suzuki and all that chemistry that people talked about that they had uh, developed. Um, and, uh, but Pierre Lebrun said, listen, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's more of a possibility now than it has been. And it seemed to me like it was kind of a shot across the bow. Um, that, uh, and, and yeah, that sometimes happens that, uh, that you convey a message that way. Uh, and, you know, uh, Cole Caulfield's agent would hear that and, and pass that on and uh, improve, or you might get sent to Laval. But, um, you know, Cole Caulfield's still without uh, a goal, and that's what he's there for, is uh, to and, score. And only one assist. And just one assist. Um, and uh, and so was was uh, demoted to Laval. Um in his defense, he doesn't need need me to defend him. Um, but I, you know, first I would say that that Cole Caulfield looked awful the first five games. Looked like he was going through the motions. Looked mm-hmm. like he wasn't working very hard. Um, but he, um, um, uh, Dom Ducharme has had a since then had a uh, conversation with him, um, and he seemed to be better. Uh, in the second five games than the than the first five games and and on the weekend um, I thought he was uh, as as engaged as we've seen him mm-hmm. um, you know he's getting shots on goal um, they're not going for him um, you know, there was a, a a graphic that was put out during the coverage that um, and you know we've talked about before on both the Canadians connection and here, how difficult zone entries have been for the Canadians, both right. five on five and uh, on the power play uh, that uh, Cole Caulfield is certainly the best uh, of the Canadians for zone entries. And actually um, he is top 10 in the NHL with respect to zone entries that lead to scoring chances. Uh, Cole Caulfield has made 10 zone entries that have led to Canadian scoring chances. Um, there, Connor McDavid has made 15 at the top of the list. So um, that's an interesting statistic for a team that's really, really struggling to mm-hmm. score that they have um, 
you know, ignored that and said, no, we don't, we, we don't need them. We'll send, send them to, to Laval. Uh, so a bit of, and, 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 you know, is there, is there an issue of, of, uh, working hard of, of work ethic of, um, I don't know. Uh, there doesn't seem to be, uh, when, when Dom Ducharme has had a chance to say some positive things about uh, Cole Caulfield, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't taken advantage of that opportunity. Um, and then there's, you know, so everybody has, has uh, their antenna up to see how Caulfield's going to react uh, to the, this demotion. Well, that's just it. You know, Cole Caulfield has, like every player who comes from NCAA and junior and makes the jump to pro. They come from a place where they're accustomed to being the best on their team all the time, where goals come easy or whatever their position skill is, it comes easy that they're one of the best players on the ice all the time. Um, and and that I'm not saying that they don't work hard. I'm just saying they're they're accustomed to that kind of way of life. Then they come to the pros and they're amongst a whole team of guys, whether it's at the AHL or whether it's in the NHL. They come around a whole group of guys that are all the best. And suddenly your best might not be as good as someone else's best. Uh, and that's where the the cycle of prospect development occurs and it's a it's a hard pill for most all prospects to swallow that first time that they are faced with I'm no longer the best guy in the room every night um and sometimes that comes through call-ups and send-downs and call-ups and send-downs or maybe not making it into the lineup every night or maybe not getting the ice time that you're used to getting. Um, it's a very abrupt, rude wake-up call. Every prospect goes through it. Uh, some take a lot longer than others. And for some of them, you know, Ryan Paling is a good example. Lucas Vedemo is a good example. Sometimes it just... Sometimes it takes a long time. Every development path for every player looks different. Um, for Cole Caulfield, yes, all antennas are up on how is he going to react to this? Because not only is Cole Caulfield, yes, Cole Caulfield knows what kind of a hockey player he is. He knows how he's talked about in the media. He knows that people had him pegged as a Calder winner this year. He knows that Trevor Zegras said he's at preseason that he's calling Cole Caulfield to score 40 goals this season, who, I mean, Trevor Zegras is, is his, is his peer. Um, and Cole Caulfield comes from a very elite NCAA program at the university of Wisconsin. So sure. He spent two games in the AHL when he first turned pro last year and they were quite the star studded affair. He had, he had points in both games, scoring goals, uh, with his eyes closed, it, it didn't take long for him to get uh, to get the call up then, of course, after that first weekend. So this is different. This is the first time in Cole Caulfield's career that he is not only on a team that is struggling out of the gate to start the season, but he individually is struggling to do what he does best to start the season. So this is the first time Cole is facing adversity in his own game facing a, a adversity in a in a locker room of, of a group of guys that cannot find the ways to win. Um, and now 
he finds himself back down in the AHL. Uh, I think it's interesting, Rick. Uh, it's uh, Timing is everything, you know. Uh, and the day that he gets sent down, it happens to be group photo day for the Laval Rocket, which means Cole Caulfield will be on the team photo for the Laval Rocket. And you've seen there's been short snippets of video clips from from the shoot that have come out uh, to say the young man does not look happy <laughs> is a is a kind statement. Um our colleague Maria pointed out that there were those on Twitter um, noticing whether this is completely accurate or not. I don't know, but it seems that he has changed his Twitter and Instagram bios and avatar photos to revert back to photos of himself playing with Wisconsin instead of anything related to the Habs. If that's true, I'm not liking the indication of, of where his head is at in this demotion. Um, we were talking about it on our team Slack this afternoon. Cole Caulfield has to wake up every day right now with a positive attitude and say, okay, I'm going to face this challenge head on. I'm going to work my butt off and get back up there. But Rick, it doesn't sound like that's how this is starting. Oh, he, he hasn't act, um, reacted well. Uh, if, you know, as, as you said, all of those um, publicly, those, 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 public indications uh, you know are accurate then he hasn't necessarily reacted well and and but I think there's there's it's a bit of a fairy tale really uh, that people wax poetically who don't really follow uh, the AHL closely about how nice it is to go down and and gain confidence and <laughs> and um, you know, then you get your recall and everything works out and, no. and it, it's, it, it sounds lovely. Um, one thing, uh, I think is clear. Cole Caulfield doesn't lack confidence for anything. No. Um, he's a very confident in, individual and the reason he's not scoring has zero to do with a lack of self-confidence. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it, and it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, the 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 player who goes down and 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 has that kind of fairy tale story. Uh, it could be simply a, a a player who goes down and maybe is is upset with the organization to begin with, but then realizes there are things to be upset with himself about, and he doesn't necessarily like the fact that. You know, he has to board the bus and travel to Utica and, and uh, you know. Not That's going to be a rude awakening for him stay, this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> not stay in a five-star and all, all those kinds of things. If that's a motivator, if that's what it takes uh, to give you a kick in the pants and 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 uh, get you focused, uh, then fine. And But but that's how sometimes it works. It isn't always, uh, you know, this, this wonderful situation. Having said that, um, there are parts of Cole Caulfield's game. It's not the scoring part that he needs to uh, focus on. There are other parts of his game. His, his game without the puck, mm -hmm. his game in the defensive zone, his game in the neutral zone. Those are those are things keeping his his feet moving uh, and working hard. Uh, those are things that. Uh, he can work on and that the coaching staff in Laval can help him with. And if he can embrace that part of it, um, like I say, it's not about 
the confidence or gripping this. Cole Caulfield's not that kind of player who who worry who worries that he'll never score again. No. Um, th- that's not that's not what we're dealing with here. Um, but whatever it is, um, he needs to get through this and get back to the Canadians and doing doing the kinds of things we know he can do. The interesting part is that Laval does not play at all this week. They don't play a Wednesday night game this week. So Cole Caulfield getting sent down on a Monday. Uh, the organization knew in doing that that Laval would not play until they played on the road in Syracuse this coming Saturday night. So he's, if things don't change and he stays where he's at, he's got an entire week of nothing but practice ahead of him with a Laval rocket while he sits uh, at home and watches the Canadians play two games at the Bell Center uh, this week. That's going to hurt. It's not going to be, that's going to be a big uh, bruise to the ego. Um, and so the, the the goal for Cole Caulfield is not to then grow a chip on his shoulder because of it. Um, Ryan Paling is part of the leadership group in Laval this year. Um, he's wearing an A and Ryan Paling knows this drill all too well. Um you know, of, of anyone it, that's Cole Caulfield is going to need some good leadership uh, in the room uh, to to help him get through this. Uh, hopefully, Ryan Paling can be a, a, a good role model for him in in dealing with this mental part of of development, uh, which is a very harsh reality for some young prospects to to face. Um, and hopefully, hopefully. It goes well because um, we don't want to see <laughs> Cole Caulfield is not the type of prospect that we want to see get stuck in a cycle of you know, getting sent down, starting to perform and produce, getting called up and things go south again. So then he gets sent down again and called up and send it. We don't want to see that for Cole Caulfield. So let's hope, fingers crossed, that uh, things can go well. On the flip side of that, though, um, with Perot out with injury, Paquette has a two-game suspension because of his absolutely just dumb hit on Trevor Zegras. Um, that's leaving some some areas open. Gallagher's a game-time decision. So Michael Pizzetta was the recall uh, yesterday, and this morning uh, the Canadians recalled Alex Belzeal as well. They will both be in the lineup against Detroit Um and Rick, it's. <laughs> I will start this by saying, um, I'm happy for Michael Pizzetta that he's going to get his NHL debut tonight. He is going to realize the dream that he's been working for his whole life to get to play in the NHL, and that's going to happen for him tonight. Um, and that's that's an exciting thing for for a hockey player. Uh, he's he's you know he's put in the work, and he's been a kind of the the good team guy soldier for for Laval the last few years. Um, and so of course he'll be, he'll be a little firecracker out there tonight. We know that. Um, but your thoughts on Michael Pizzetta and Alex Belzeal being the first two guys that they decide to recall from Laval and not someone like Ryan Paling or Yesel Yelonen, um, just to name two. Alex Belzeal, we can, I can get through that quickly. Um, and, you know, it, there's there's non-hockey reasons for him to be in the lineup. Um, you have you have both uh, Perot and Paquette out, and uh, so Belzeal comes up. 
non for a non-hockey reason. Alex Belzeal is uh, a player, and I've said it before, who has ECHL skills and who can play well in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's he's a he's a fan favorite. He's right. a player that that fans like to see. Um, for Michael Pozzetta, uh, again, the, the, the nicest of people, um, he's, he's, uh, he skates well, he's, he's physical. Um, he he, loves the game. He, he just, yeah, he loves the game. Um, but under uh, Joel Bouchard, remember that, that Michael Pozzetta was, was a part-time player, played half of the games, mm-hmm. uh, and when he did play, was a fourth-line player in the AHL. Um, did not, for in, in a Joel Bouchard uh, lineup, did not uh, participate in special teams. Michael Pozzetta is enthusiastic. He is a team guy. He will stand up for anyone. Um, he is fearless. He is aggressive. Um, he is also careless and undisciplined and takes too many penalties and, and, uh, all of that as well. Uh, this is a wonderful experience for Michael Pozzetta. As you said, he is able to achieve his dream. He stood out at training camp Mm -hmm. because many of the Canadians were not. And it, it reminds me, uh, this is, they are two different Two, I'm not comparing playing styles here. Two completely different styles of players. However, I think back to Marcus Eisenschmied. And mm-hmm. Marcus, he scored a hat trick in one of the preseason games and a couple of goals. He, he had an unbelievable preseason. Um, uh, pre-season. This yeah. is years ago. Um, and... And everyone was talking about Marcus Eisenschmied being, you know, a, a, a solution for the the top uh, the top six back then, and he he wasn't. Marcus is a delightful person, tremendous human being. <laughs> in, enjoyed every moment we Absolutely. spent talking with him. Um, he's he's a skilled player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he skates well. Um, he just didn't have what it took to be at the. Um, the, the NHL level, um, and he's found his home. He's been playing in Germany for Adler Mannheim and one of their stars and um, and has found his home. He's he's found his right place. Right. And Michael Pozzetta will find that too. Uh, but it is not on the roster of of the Montreal Canadiens taking up a fourth-line spot. Um, it's not, to be honest. And we, we, I love Michael Pozzetta, the person, and his energy and his enthusiasm and, and was excited for him and what he did in the preseason. And I'm just as excited for him to get the experience of doing that solo lap and, and being in an NHL roster. Absolutely. But it is, it is, it is because he, he made such an impression on the fans because he is, as I've called it before, uh, that shiny bauble that the Canadians like to use when they're in crisis, mm-hmm. they bring up a shiny bauble. They bring up a, a Caden Primo before he's ready. They bring up a Michael Pozzetta because of how the fans will react. And so they'll forget 
uh, all of the things that the media have been writing about over the weekend. Uh, and we've seen it. We've seen, um, you know, the, the, both the English and the French media writing about the losing streak, but writing about how historic this is, writing about an inexperienced head coach who seems to have lost the room, writing about a GM who's in limbo and doesn't have a contract, writing about an owner who is MIA, and you bring in a shiny bobble to distract the attention and, and now you have a that, feel good story. All of that narrative changes and you have a feel good story. And it will be feel good um, for Michael Pizzetta tonight. Um, but it doesn't, it shouldn't mask uh, what's going on with this team. And it's happening in place of two of the team's actual top prospects not getting the recall in Paling and Yelonen. Paling. Just came back from injury. Uh, he was injured in the second game of the season. Came back this, this and we're going to talk about his performance in the next segment, but came back and played two games this weekend uh, and had three points in those games. Um, Yelonen scored a pair of goals on Saturday. Yelonen's looked very good. Um, either one of them would have been deserving of at least a one-game look, but instead... It was bring up Belzil, bring up Pizzetta, as you say. It's the feel-good stories and the fan favorite, um, and and that will appease the masses. Um, and I'm not saying that they that those two players don't work hard and they haven't, you know, put up points production down and let. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not, you know, obviously you can't you can't call somebody up if they're not if they're if they're a slug on the AHL. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Just saying that the decisions that are being made are not 100% uh, meritocratous, let's say, then, and that uh, it's it's a it's a pattern that this organization has had for many many years. And uh, of course, why would we think that anything would be different this time around? So uh, it's a horrible pattern. It I, is. Okay, said the niceties. It's a horrible pattern. This team can draft extraordinarily well, and and Trevor Timmons takes a lot of the blame uh, with respect to drafting. He's one of the best talent evaluators in the NHL. He takes a lot of the blame because of what happens with the draft picks undeserved it it's not even about development um because the canadians can develop players it's about the transition to mm -hmm. the nhl which the canadians i haven't seen a team uh worse no and in this situation uh, let's break it apart a little bit if 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 ryan paling can't can't get into the lineup when cedric paquette is suspended plays center when Perot is out for a couple of weeks with an eye injury, plays center. When Adam Brooks is Awful. underwhelming, <laughs> uh, isn't hasn't done anything to secure uh, a spot. When they are so pressed for senator centers that they have to um, put in put Jonathan Drouin manning the second line, and we know his the experience uh, the Canadians have had. He's not a center. Um, he's not capable of playing a quality center uh, role. Uh, if Ryan Paling can't get into the lineup, um, what's the message that, I mean, he's not dumb. He, he, know, he can see the, the depth chart in front of him. Um, but, but he can see this in front of him. 
and and um, that's gotta that's gotta be a punch to the gut for paling. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, players players are smart enough, and they they see these uh, scenarios happening and think, okay, now they they let's be clear, they don't wish injuries on anyone, they don't wish suspensions on anyone, but when those happen, they're thinking, okay, now now do I get my opportunity? Um, and when that doesn't happen, uh, it's 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 not good for their morale, uh, for their confidence. We're talking a lot about confidence and and uh, sending players down to get confidence. It can't help confidence when players uh, jump the queue as it is uh, to get ahead of them for a recall. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, it's been a, a perennial complaint of ours. But for us, since before we even started doing this podcast five years ago, um, it's it's just it's something this organization has got to fix if they're ever hopeful to build an actual deep franchise and and have hope for Stanley Cup run success year after year after year after year. They have got to stop trying to as I'll, I'll borrow a phrase of yours buy their way out of everything and start actually developing their prospects that they draft. Um, and they've, they have failed at it miserably for years at every position. Uh, and sooner or later, and, and maybe it's going to be sooner. Um, it's really going to catch up and bite them in the butt. Um, and, and frankly, it has. I mean, they've well, a 70 year historic. <laughs> they've, they've, yes, they've either failed to develop or have traded away all of their top drafted prospects. I mean, it's 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 abysmal. Uh, something has got to give. And I believe there will be two drafted players dra- who were drafted uh, by the Montreal Canadiens in the lineup tonight. I believe there will be two. That's not a stat you want to boast about. No organization can survive on that kind of uh, roster management. That's all we're going to say about that for right now. We are actually going to take a quick break. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Be sure you uh, tweet us at the AHL report or at the press zone. Uh, Let us know what you feel about all of this. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to focus on the Laval Rocket. Uh, They had their own uh, roller coaster week last week on their homestand. And we're going to get into all of that and hear from the coach and some of the players and break all that down for you when we come back right after this. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome back to the Press Zone Montreal right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And I will remind you once again to be sure you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Uh, That's where you'll find uh, live in-game updates of the Laval Rocket every game night that they're playing, as well as comprehensive game recaps after each game, including post-game audio with the coach and players. Um, And as well, be sure you're following the podcast at The Press Zone. Uh, You never want to miss an episode. Be sure you're subscribed as well. Just take a look down. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. Hit the notification bell so that you're always notified when there's a new episode out. You know that we're here every Tuesday for you, but just in case you miss an episode, uh, getting that notification never hurts. Um, So, Rick, the Laval Rocket had their own uh, ups and downs last week. Uh, Coming off of, you know, when when we met here last week, we were talking about the fact that they had gone on their first U.S. road trip since before the pandemic. It was a two-game trip, uh, started in Providence, where Michael McNiven helped them to uh, backstop them to a a shutout against the Providence Bruins. Uh, And then they went into Bridgeport that Sunday afternoon, Caden Primo in net that night. Uh, and they lost. They were actually blanked three to nothing in that game. Uh, and then uh, some comments were made publicly uh, by Michael McNiven after that uh, regarding, uh, you know, accusations about playing while he was uh, not coming out of a game fast enough when when he felt like an injury might be happening um, and talking about his usage and, and his his place in the in the depth chart and those kinds of things. So we had speculated last week. Will we see? Uh, will we see things change in net uh, for for the team and for them to go kind of one and one on the road trip wasn't ideal either. Particularly since the Bridgeport Islanders are are not um, necessarily a, a force to be reckoned with uh, for them to get shut out by them. So we got our answer uh, in both cases this past week uh three games wednesday night against uh home against the toronto marlies and then a back-to-back friday night and saturday afternoon at Place bell against the rochester americans primo would start wednesday and friday so he got three consecutive games uh only one one of those that was the uh got a got a shutout on wednesday night against the toronto marlies five to nothing uh but they lost the friday night game against rochester and then lost the game um the the one o'clock matinee against rochester on saturday michael mcniven was in net for that uh so a little bit of goaltending turmoil uh and certainly um struggling to consistently get wins um Let's start with the, t- <laughs> the Toronto game. 
it's no secret that the Toronto Mar- Marlies and the Laval Rocket don't like each other. Uh, the Toronto Marlies and the St. John's Ice Caps didn't like each other. And the Toronto Marlies and the Hamilton Bulldogs didn't like each other. There's a natural rivalry there between the two organizations. Uh, it's no secret. Um, their preseason matchup was was uh, a little more amicable, but that was because it was preseason. This one, however, was an all-out just clown show. Um Yes, Laval came out with a shutout. They won five to nothing, scored three goals in the first period, two uh, in the second period. Uh, Pizzetta actually with the first goal, followed by Belpedio, two by Dauphin, and one by John Sebastian D. Uh, the story of the night, though, for this game was the fact that at the end of the night, the two teams combined for 211 penalty minutes. Let me repeat that. 211 penalty minutes, 129 penalty minutes assessed to Toronto, 82 penalty minutes assessed to Laval. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players, nine players uh, combined on both teams who were assessed game misconducts in the last three minutes of the game because of what in today's age uh, amounts to pretty much a line brawl. Um, There was a match penalty uh, to Alex Biega in the first period, uh, check to to the head. Uh, He got a suspension for for that. Uh, Rich Clune then ended up with a with a suspension as well for getting an instigator penalty in the in the last five minutes of the game. Uh, There were a number of fights in every period. It was I'm exhausted just even reviewing it all. Uh, It was. Yes, the win was good, but it was not a pretty one. The uh, the Marlies and uh, the Laval Rocket lead the American Hockey League in penalty minutes by a wide wide margin. It's not and even close. <laughs> no, it's not close. They're one two, and and uh, the, the uh, Cleveland Monsters are a very distant third. Um, and it's it's primarily from from this game. Laval is taking too many penalty minutes overall in in mm-hmm. in all of their games. But this was uh, quite an affair, and and yeah, if you scroll down, you keep scrolling and scrolling, scrolling and, and scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> the penalty minutes in the the uh, league game report. Um, yeah, it's it sets up an interesting uh, dynamic for the next uh, time they meet, and the time after that, and the time mm-hmm. after that, because of course they will be getting together quite often this season. They will. The one thing, aside from the fact that it was uh, now both goaltenders have registered a shutout, Primo getting this one five to nothing, and that they did get the scoring going. Uh, one positive to take from it was that uh, the power play, which had been abysmal as well to start the season, uh, actually got going. And and two of those goals, um, Louis Belpedio's goal and Laurent Dauphin's uh, first goal of the night were both on the man advantage. Uh, our Chris G was uh, there, of course, witnessing all of this uh, from the press box. And he asked uh, JF Uhl after the game about uh, what finally seemed to work for the power play to get things going. I think the support. We supported each other to win. We won battles, puck battles. As, uh, you know, the, Earlier on in the power play, we, we lost a lot of puck battles. And, and that was our emphasis in, the, in, the, in our meetings. Is, hey, let's get out there and win pucks and support each other. And keep it simple, and you know, that's what we did tonight, and uh, that's that's why we had success. 
win pucks, win battles. Um, that's that's going to lead to some su- success. That's that's not what the the Laval Rocket were doing up until that point. Um, but uh, that one game me- message, uh, it, it seemed to work. Another bright spot uh, in this game, and kind of within the last week, who I I think actually. Uh, impressed more people than than fans were expecting to in the in the preseason uh, and has continued to really kind of chip away at things is Gianni Fairbrother, the defenseman uh, typically on the top pairing with Captain Xavier Wellett. He put up a goal over the weekend, but on this on this night against Toronto, he had two assists and was plus two on the night. Uh, really impressive performance by Gianni Fairbrother. Um and when asked after the game, you know, if if being an offensive defenseman is is something he's aiming to be, he he pretty much responded with, "Well, I'll take you know if I if I happen to help out in that regard, I'll, I'm not going to argue about it." Yeah, I think obviously my main goal is defense and trying to keep the puck out of our net and get the puck into the forwards' hands. But you know, any way that I can contribute and get the puck up ice into the forwards' hands and helping out on the offensive side, uh, yeah, it's uh, always good to see. I, th- I think he he just doesn't necessarily want to be pigeonholed uh, mm-hmm. into playing one way. He wants to contribute in any way he can. We know he he is a very physical player, um, but if he can trip can contribute on the offense too, that's a bonus. Jean Sebastian D was a, was one of the guys who did score on that night. Jean Sebastian D is a veteran player. He's been around for quite a while uh, and and certainly knows how to score. Uh, he's he's uh, <laughs> got a, got an offensive touch. He's he's known for that around the league. Uh, and so he was also asked, uh, you know, uh, sorry, not not D. I'm getting ahead of myself. Xavier Wellette, I mentioned, is who uh, has been paired with Gianni Fairbrother, and the captain was asked what that pairing has been like for him uh, and what he has seen from young Gianni Fairbrother so far in the season. And the captain had some great things to say. I like it. He's fun to play with. Uh, you know, he's passionate. He understands the game. Um, we talk a lot. We try to talk on the bench, talk on the ice. And uh, I think we're creating pretty good chemistry and uh, he's, fun, he's fun to play with. And what do you think are his strengths? Um, he's a good skater. He's strong. He's, you know, he's a competitor. He competes. And uh, he wants to get better. Uh, he's asking questions. He's listening to the coaches. He's listening to, to his teammates and uh, just wants to get better. So these are great qualities. Well, those are all the things that you want. You mm-hmm. want a guy who competes, um, has some, some size and is strong. And as I said, he likes to play uh, the physical game. Uh, but you want to hear that there's lots of communication going on because there's, there's all kinds of things to learn at this level of the game, and um, and it sounds like Fairbrother is doing the right thing, learning from teammates, learning from the coaching staff, and um, evaluating his own performance. We like to hear that uh, for young prospects in, in this stage of development. So they take that win, and they welcome the Rochester Americans uh, into the building for a back-to-back Friday night, Saturday afternoon, starting with Friday night. Uh, on the paper, and and we'll actually be talking about the the Amerks a bit more when Patrick Williams joins us in the next segment. Um, on paper, the Rochester Americans might not look like they're a force to be reckoned with, but they certainly proved this past weekend when they came to Laval that you should not underestimate them. Um 
Yes, the Laval Rocket managed to continue to score. In fact, they got another power play goal, courtesy of Corey Schooneman. Um, and, uh, you know, Harvey Pennard had a goal. Xavier Ouellette had a goal. But they did drop this one 4-3, uh, to three, uh, outshot uh, – even despite the fact that they outshot Rochester 35 to 22 uh, and it was a much more disciplined affair, um, they just could not find the way to win um, and, and just couldn't mount enough of a comeback. Um, so knowing that they were going short term from that game into rematching with them very early the next afternoon at one o'clock, uh, Chris asked JF Uhl, okay, so what needs to change for tomorrow to get a different outcome? Nothing. You just score more than them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that we did wrong. I mean, we did everything. We did a lot of good things tonight. So uh, maybe boxing out a little bit more so their, their players can't get to, uh, to our, in front of our goalie to tip pucks. Maybe that's one little change that we'll, uh, we'll talk about. I understand that um, with with a, a game um, Friday night and then a quick turnaround for a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon game, there's there's not much sense in trying to go through a lot of of dissecting the the game uh, and implementing changes. I understand that, and if he had answered that way, I I would I would perfectly understand, but. Um, uh, to answer the way he did was a, a bit of a it, it's it's odd for uh, any coach at any level to say no we have nothing to learn from our performance um, we're, and we're not going to make any changes for for uh, our next game and we just need to score more than they do tomorrow <laughs> we didn't know that <laughs> uh, so okay that was that was the approach so put it to the test. One o'clock came around the next day, uh, and yes, uh, they certainly didn't have trouble scoring again, um, putting up plenty of goals. And in fact, at one point, um, Laval led the game uh, two to one in the second period, uh, but both teams scored three goals in the third. Uh, this was the game. Ryan Paling had a goal. Jesse Alonen had two goals in this game. Uh, Jean-Sebastian D had a goal. Michael Bezzetta had a goal. But both teams scored uh, in the third period. And so this one ended up going to overtime. And it was, unfortunately, uh, it was Rochester that came out on top in this one. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And again, uh, you know, Yes. Okay. Power play was working. Yes. Yelonen had a power play goal. Um, but aside from that, you know, it was just this constant battle of Rochester would go up by two. Laval would tie it up. Laval would go ahead. It, it was this back and forth, but they couldn't ever shut the door. And then, you know, there was a, a defensive breakdown in overtime and it was, I believe Jimmy, uh, sorry, at Laxanen who, who scored, uh, the overtime winning goal. And so then, okay, well, now let's talk about, let's ask J.F. Fool today. So, no, really, what what needs to be worked on? Because now this was two games in a row that you could have won and, and you didn't. Well, managing the clock is one because we had two icings that cost, cost us two good big goals. Um, I thought at times... Um, you know, we, we had we had the momentum and we lost it on, on small little things. You know, like uh, getting him in into uh, into our zone. Uh, our shifts were too long, so 
So that, those are all little details of the game that we need to, to get adjusted here. And I think consistency of effort, one of the, the big contrasts in the game, as you said, maybe maybe uh, Laval has a little more talent on the if you balance the ledger, but um, hard work in this game won out, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a consistent um, hard effort. Every shift for, for Rochester, they just simply outworked uh, Laval and, and ended up with the overtime win. Absolutely. So, uh, home stand for Laval, and they went one, f- one and two uh, on the on the weekend. Now, granted, they got a point out of Saturday's game, which which is helpful. Um, but now, a full week off practice. Uh, they go on the road again this weekend, and they're playing Syracuse and Utica. Uh, these are two teams that have notoriously always given. Uh, the Habs AHL affiliate trouble, particularly Syracuse. Uh, Charles Houdon is now playing for the Syracuse Crunch. He's doing quite well. He's also there with Gabriel Dumont. Uh, now, Dumont got called up to the Lightning. I haven't looked to see if he's been sent back down yet or not. So he might not be available. He may or may not be in the lineup with Charles Houdon on Saturday night. But um, Benoit Gruel always gets his uh, his team ready. Syracuse is going to be a tough opponent and then a quick turnaround uh, for Utica the next day uh, on Sunday. The Utica Devils are, uh, sorry, the Utica Comets now under the Devils affiliation. Uh, that's going to be a tough test for them next weekend. So uh, we'll see how all of that goes. Uh, but it's it's going to be an important road trip, uh, albeit a short one, but it'll be an important road trip for Laval. We mentioned Jesse Alonen a couple of times. Um in this podcast, in the first segment and, and in this segment, you know, he's really, he impressed us last year with how quickly he adapted to North American ice and the North American style of play. Uh, and he has continued to do that, whether it was in training camp, rookie camp, uh, and in this early preseason, he's, he is noticeably progressing in the right direction. Um, but Rick, the one thing I really appreciate about Yessi Alonen isn't even something he does on the ice. And I'm and I'm impressed with a lot of the things he does on the ice. It's how he handles himself in press availabilities. Uh, he is the epitome of a team-first guy. If he is asked a question about his individual play, he will always turn the answer into the team and the result of the game as a whole instead of focusing on himself, something I find admirable in a young hockey player. But he also has no patience for negativity. Um And it was on display after this second Rochester loss when he was asked something about, you know, um, there were times you guys led, but but mistakes, uh, you know, mistakes really cost you guys. What do you have to say about that? And listen to his response and how he takes that and turns it into, I want to focus on the positive things about this team. Uh, I don't want to go into details, but uh, we have a lot of good things in our game and a lot of uh, things we need to improve and uh, uh, we will we will improve those. But uh, after all, there was also uh, lots of positive in our, our game and we showed good uh, character in the in the end to score uh, time goals and uh, we just now got to get better at certain things and keep, keep those things that uh, are good in our game right now. Just as you described, uh, very team first, and uh, and and wasn't afraid to was confident enough 
to push back and say, you know, uh, thanks for the question, but I don't want to go there. Uh, I'm going to talk about something else. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty rare at this level, even at the NHL level, uh, typically um, the, the way questions are answered, uh, you hear a lot of, of um, uh, players uh, agreeing with the premise of the question. And then if they have to, twisting it, or if you're Victor Mete, you say, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> he begins every question. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, every answer. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no. Um, and he'll go in the opposite direction, but, uh, it's, it's unusual and, and, and it's, um, it may seem like a little thing, but it's, it's, uh, certainly speaks to his maturity and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and just, um, he, he needs to work on consistency, but of, of, uh, he's one of the few players in Laval that looks like an NHL caliber player, the way, yes. the way he skates, the way he shoots, the way. Um, he, he thinks the game, the way he plays the game at pace, um, he just needs to do it every single game and, and, uh, and he'll be, he'll, we hope <laughs> he'll be primed for a call up. I'd like to see him on a line with Lekkonen if that's possible. I don't know if it is, but I just, I don't know. I, I, he, I, I'd like to see him get a shot in the NHL soon. Um, so I, I started to allude to this earlier in this segment. Jean-Sebastien D uh, was asked about Yelonen's play um, coming from, from a veteran of, of the league and, and one who's, who's respected as a veteran and, and for his, his level of offensive production. Uh, and he had some really glowing remarks to say about Jesse Yelonen. No, I mean, he's a great hockey player. Uh, you can see his talent out there. Uh, he's got some poise. He can shoot the puck. I think it was just a matter of time before a puck was going in. Um, I think he's going to be really good this year for us. And uh, just fun to see him score. And, you know, uh, it's nice to play with him. I'm going to try to, you know, teach him what I uh, learned in my career so far and try to be a good teammate for him, a good veteran, and then uh, support him uh, along the way. You like to hear that. You like yeah. to hear that a veteran, an AHL veteran, uh, is going to try to to pass things on, and we've seen that. Um, whether it was Jake Lucchini or or Jordan Wheel uh, in the past, when they've been in in Laval, um, take that role, and and we're kind of looking to see who was going to play that role um, uh, this season, and um, and and. The first candidate steps up. First candidate steps up, and 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 I I agree with you. I liked what he had to say. He had very positive things to say about Yolonen's game. Um, but I but I agree. I like to hear that he's he's kind of putting it on himself that he wants to try to to pass on some wisdom and knowledge to Yolonen and help him grow his game. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, a a great thing for for both players. So, uh, as we said, the Laval Rockets now facing a road trip this weekend, possibly with Cole Caulfield in the lineup, uh, and we'll see how long Pizzetta and Belzeal stay up with the Canadians. Um, we will have all of the coverage for you of both Laval's road games, both in Syracuse and in Utica on Saturday and Sunday over at AHLReport.com. Uh, I'll have full game recaps after both games, as well as I'll be doing the AHL Report Twitter live game coverage at the AHL Report. So be sure you're following along. Bookmark AHLReport.com. Uh, and we've got lots more great content for you coming uh, about the Laval Rocket, so you don't want to miss any of it. 
What you also don't want to miss is the next segment that's coming up where Patrick Williams joins us for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. And we break down, well, he tells us who's hot and who's not. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, one more time, I'm your host, Amy Johnson. You can find me at Flyers Rule on Twitter. And with me each and every week is my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. You can find him at All Habs on Twitter. And make sure you're following us at the AHL Report for all of your AHL Report news and recaps and updates and headlines. Uh, in this segment, we do have Patrick Williams joining us in just a moment for uh, the AHL hot stove. But before we get to that, a little bit of, of news to take care of. Uh, of course, Rick, let's uh, kick things off with the AHL player of the week. Uh, it's a it's a name that is synonymous with goal scoring. That's Andrew Podorowski, forward from the Chicago Wolves. Um, way up there at the top, the scoring leaderboard for the AHL this week, nine points in three road games. That's all. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I think yeah, so. That works. Four goals and five assists. Uh, he had two assists uh, in a Chicago shutout against Grand Rapids, and then a goal and an assist, and then had his first career hat trick and set a personal high of five points 
knocking off the Griffin six to three. So, um, pretty. Uh, it, it seems like he's he's picking up where he left off. Won the scoring title. <laughs> he's the reigning scoring uh, AHL scoring title champion. So, uh, pick, as you said, picked right up where he left off. But it didn't end there this week for him. It didn't. Uh, because the AHL monthly award winners for the month of October came out. And it turns out that Andrew Podorowski is the AHL player of the month. <laughs> um, 14 points in six games. That's a that's a way to start the season. That's a great start to the season. Um, along with that, of course, uh, we have the AHL Rookie of the Month. And this is a guy, Rick, that I think we're going to hear his name quite often. We saw him uh, play two games against the Laval Rocket this past weekend. Jack Quinn, uh, the AHL Rookie of the Month with five goals and five assists, uh, is well on his way. <laughs> very impressive. Uh, very impressive in that in that group that, that works hard uh, with some great... Uh, AHL veterans, uh, there's there's the the uh, the budding prospects uh, for the Buffalo Sabers like Jack Quinn, and and he's going to be a good one, and and uh, off to a great start this season as well. Absolutely, of course, we can't leave the goaltenders out. Uh, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins goaltender Philip Lindbergh gets the goaltender of the month uh, award. First four pro starts, he went four zero and zero. Seven goals on 121 shots. 942 save percentage. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a, uh, that's when you say, okay, can we just, is there a way for me to just maintain that all season long? I mean, that's, that's pretty tremendous. Um, of course, Lehigh Valley Phantoms fans that are listening right now, you know, much to your chagrin that uh, some of those victories came against the Phantoms uh, a couple of times. Uh, and so Lehigh Valley knows all too well how good Lindbergh has been. Uh, and I think they're going to get pretty well acquainted with him uh, there uh, in Wilkes-Barre as they face each other uh, pretty often. So there you have it. Uh, the October monthly award winners for the AHL, Andrew Podorowski, Player of the Month, Jack Quinn, Rookie of the Month, Philip Lindbergh, Goaltender of the Month. Well, it does uh, the first Tuesday in November, and what better way to kick off this second month of the hockey season than with a visit from our good friend and colleague, Patrick Williams. He's here for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove here on the Press Zone. Uh, and on behalf, of course, of Rick, myself, everyone here at Rocket Sports, uh, welcome back, Patrick. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always fun to be uh, back here and uh, talking hockey. Now, the the big question of the day is, did you give out candy corn at Halloween? I was not even home. Well, then was, you have passed the test. enough, I was at a hockey game. <laughs> um, so I don't think, though, I've ever done that because I don't know why. I just never have. It's <laughs> good. So you're you're not a candy corn fan? Um, I'm okay with it, I guess. Oh, um, like I have a little bit of a sweet tooth that I've been, I've been trying to break that habit for years <laughs> anyway. So I try to not add anything All right. to the repertoire, All right, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Rick, he's splitting the middle here. He's, 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 he's pleasing the candy corn lovers and the candy corn haters. Yeah. I have much stronger 
food opinions about other things <laughs> than candy corn. I can go on all day. But, we'll have uh, to get to those on a, on a, yes. <laughs> on a well, and, and and there's all kinds of differences, Canada, U.S., between candy oh, yeah. choices and chocolate bar. Well, you call them candy bars. That's um, right. All kinds of differences. Um, and what we call Smarties are not your Smarties mm-hmm. and, and all of those kinds of things. So... Uh, we'll have a we'll have a detailed candy discussion at some point. At some point, we will. And you can't get most of them in 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 the states either. Like not Canadian ones. No, the border is thick when it comes to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, you just can't get any candy smuggled through. You just can't. Yeah, because uh, like like um, the sour cherry, um, you can't find them anywhere. Like of the exact kind that you can get in Canada. Really? In the States. Hmm. And I, a couple of times I've actually had to go on Amazon and order them. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a bag that should maybe be $3 and it's like $14. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Import, I feel yeah. ridiculous buying it, but I'm like, <laughs> I need it. You know, especially when it's like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, you're really craving it and <laughs> you're making bad, bad financial decisions. And <laughs> You're like, is this one of those items that Amazon will drone drop off in the next two hours for me? <laughs> yeah, right. And then, you know, I mean, Amazon's dangerous for a lot of reasons, one of which is because it's right there and, you know, you can yeah. make impulse purchases right from your computer, but it's especially bad for things like that. For things like that. It's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you with us here today. We've got uh, whew, we've got some plenty of uh, hot topics to talk about on the AHL hot stove today. We're gonna we're gonna talk about. I, I know this is something that we've touched on a couple of times uh, in the last couple of months, but honestly, it's it's still relevant and um, in in some ways uh, already becoming concerning. It, before we were speculating about the concern, but but now we've got some actual hard numbers. We're going to talk about attendance in the league, uh, and in some areas where it's it's becoming kind of a you know like the flashing warning sign is already starting to go off. Uh, kind of going along with that, uh, we've now experienced our first COVID postponement uh, of, of those of the year for the AHL. We're going to talk about what that could potentially mean going forward. And we're going to talk about who's hot and who's not. Uh, Patrick is, is going to give us the, the hot and not who's, who's looking good so far (laughs) this season and, and who's eh, not looking so great as far as, uh, affiliates. So I guess let's, let's start with that attendance. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. we've, we saw some great numbers, uh, opening weekend and and some of the opening nights, you know, Laval had a great uh, home opener. Uh, Grand Rapids had a had a good one as well. But as and, and Rick, I know you you have even seen some articles coming out as far as NHL attendance numbers that are struggling in in certain areas as well. Are we seeing already that the hey hockey is back shine has started to wear off and and are we seeing a struggle to get seats filled this is always a difficult time october november especially in the states where you're competing against that behemoth that is football be it college football the nfl and even high school football um, in some of these cities so that's one thing and that, and that's something you have to bake in uh, to any to any season, you know, COVID, no COVID, uh, whatever the situation may be. 
now you you add that so you're you're that's where you're, that's your starting base and now you're adding covid into it covid's still going pretty strong in a lot of places um that is definitely going to be a concern for some people um Especially, you know, I mean, the AHL fan base in some markets does skew older. And if you're on that older side of the spectrum and you're still a little bit concerned, even if you're, you are vaccinated, that's uh, COVID, uh, you know, I mean, it's really, it, it, it's not just a hockey game. It's anywhere, right? You can, you can get it at the grocery store. You can go to a restaurant, right? I mean, I think as we learned, COVID does not discriminate in terms of uh, where it goes and uh, how it affects, you know, people based on age or, you know, you know, any way you want to divide people up. Uh, it's a factor, right? So, and hockey's, hockey's not exempt as we've seen uh, for the past year and a half. Hockey's very much tied into what's going on in around it in society. And uh, this is uh, very much the case. And then I think the third factor is it's the state of the economy right now in both uh, Canada and the States. Uh, inflation numbers definitely going up. Um, you know, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm kind of, you know, wincing when I look at the prices and then and the grocery bill, you know, it's like, you know, and that's real money, right? And this is a league that's largely built on, on, on a couple different things. Families, uh, middle class slash working class, and groups, which, you know, school groups, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, uh, you know, uh, you know, what, you know, hospital night or, you know, uh, the local, um, you know, YMCA or whatever, you know, whatever group you're talking about, you know, th- those are the, the lifeblood of this league, uh, pretty much in every market across the league. I mean, this is not a corporate league like the NHL where you go to Madison Square Garden and everybody there is uh, probably on an expense account or, you know, is, it has tickets, you know, from their, from their company they work for. This is real people, you know, reaching into their wallets, uh, pulling out real money, uh, you know, buying their own tickets. And so, you know, anything that, that starts to eat away at people's, uh, you know, spending power is going to affect uh, hockey tickets. I mean, and, um, you know, if you're a family and you're sit, sitting down and you're kind of, you know, going through the, the budget and you're, you're feeling things are pretty tight right now. And, well, you know, maybe that, that hockey game we can put off for a little while. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of maybe uh, cycle back to it uh, after uh, the new year and uh, see where things stand then. So um, I think this really is this comes down to that main theme is that hockey um, does not exist in, in, in a bubble uh, removed from everything else around it. It is affected by all this. And um, it's certainly you know, making it difficult for teams now because uh, it's just one more thing that they're fighting upstream against and, 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 and doing so in a year in which um, they're trying to get back on their feet after such a devastating year financially last season, you know, through no fault of their own. Uh, and then it's just now you're, you're getting more stuff thrown at you and, um, you know, you're, you're trying to make do and you're trying to get through this period and, and hope that maybe the, you know, the new year, the holiday season will, will start to 
bump up those numbers, but uh, it, it's a challenge right now, you know, and, and hockey's no different from any other, uh, you know, form of entertainment, you know, be it, uh, you know, uh, baseball games or, you know, the movies or, or whatever. So uh, hockey's lumped right in with everybody else and uh, that's where things are right now. And I think if there is a, a difference, it comes in that hockey or the NHL is, is more um, dependent on, ticket sales, their revenue, uh, a higher percentage of their revenue comes from ticket sales. And then when you move from the NHL to the AHL, it's even more so uh, revenue driven by ticket sales. And, and so these um, organizations, these franchises, these AHL franchises um, who already had a, you know, a, a, a difficult year, they, there's a, 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 a cash hole there that they, they had to fill from last year. But if, if they're, they're not getting uh, big ticket sales, they're unable to even to keep, um, you know, their, their regular stream going. And, and uh, you look at some of the, you know, it's, it's, we can't look at, at last year because um, you know, there was just handfuls of, of people in the building, but uh, when you go back and so far this, this year, um, average attendance in the AHL is uh, about 4,100. Now, mm-hmm. when you compare that to two years ago, 5,500. Uh, so there's a significant uh, reduction. And, and part of that, as you said, is, is it's tough to sell tickets early in the season because of the other um, the competitions with other sports. But you expect that there would be a bit of a bump um, all of the teams have had their home openers and you expect there would be, you know, fans who've been waiting for a long time to, to come back uh, to their teams. So you might have a bit of a, a bump in the average and we haven't seen that. And when you look at, you know, tw- uh, 2019-20, the average attendance was 5,500. 2018-19, the average attendance was 5,800. Uh, 2017-18, the average attendance was 5,900. So over the past five years, the average attendance is coming from near 6,000 to uh, now just 4,100 at the beginning of the season. That's a that's a significant drop league wide, uh, and 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 uh, a hit to the revenue. And on an and on an individual team basis, there are some that are very concerning. We, you know, we were talking before we we went on the air. Um, there are two teams in the last week with logging in a, a reported attendance number below a thousand. Both Belleville and San Jose in the nine hundreds on on one given night in the past week. Um, Patrick, that's not uh, that's not something. Um, that's not something that's sustainable, right? No, not long-term. I mean, um, now I think in those cases, uh, both teams serve a a very important function for their NHL teams in the sense that they're very local. Obviously San Jose, they, they share a training facility uh, and they share a a game rank as well. And then in terms of Belleville and Ottawa, um, for Ottawa, it's been a, it was a long-term goal to have uh, their affiliate within the same country. I think that became even more important um, during the COVID era where the border now is a major, major headache. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to move players back and forth over a border, 
Now, it's not easy. Um, even if it's only four hours away, like Binghamton and Ottawa were, uh, it's, it's just that much more difficult. So um, I think that does give Belleville um, some breathing room in the sense that uh, they have that proximity to Ottawa, uh, you know, both in terms of distance, but also in terms of the border. And then uh, they, they did sign a, a deal last uh, last season with the city that expended it uh, to, I believe, uh, 2027. 20, so um, I think there's going to be a lot of leeway right now. I think everybody, you know, especially, you know, in, in somewhere like Ontario, um, you know, the Marleys, the senators uh, dealing with, uh, you know, some of the restrictions that are still there. And just, you know, it's not even always the legal restrictions. It's also just the... The prevailing mood. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't necessarily completely comfortable yet, and that may take time, right? I mean, people got accustomed to a certain way of living for a year and a half, and it's not easy to always just, uh, you know, kind of flip a switch and uh, everybody flocks back to doing what they were doing in March 2020. So, um, yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, you know. It's hockey's again no different from anywhere else. Trying to deal with these things, um, minor league baseball had some of these same issues uh, this past summer, um, and that's with the benefit of uh, being outdoors and the benefit of you know uh, having a higher profile than hockey. If we're being honest, um, and so so yeah, there are some real challenges. Uh, I kind of want to see this play out, but. Um, you know, it's, it's again. You can't remove hockey from from the greater uh, picture of the world around it. And uh, as long as this uh, virus is hanging around, and uh, you know, certainly uh, you know, affecting everybody's uh, life in one way or another, um, that's going to be you know, something you have to work around. Now, I guess the the concern is is this a pandemic or does it become endemic? And if it's endemic. How does uh, not only hockey, but how does society kind of pivot towards managing that and, and uh, I guess learning to live with it? Uh, so that's that's another thing. I mean, so I mean, as we've learned uh, in the past, you know, eighteen, nineteen months, uh, just when you think you have things under control a little bit with this virus, you know, it kind of throws you another curveball and. Uh, you know, in a lot of places uh, earlier in the summer, it looked uh, things were looking up, and then uh, that uh, whole July August uh, variant uh, came in and really threw everything for a loop. And I think that also um, hurt some teams in terms of uh, you're you're trying to do s- uh, ticket sales in the summer, uh, drum up interest, drum up business, and then that hit in July and August. And I think that definitely took the wind out of the sales for uh, for some teams. So. Um, we'll just have to keep an eye on this, um, but I do think it's uh, it's it's a challenge that everyone, not just in the American Hockey League, uh, the CHL, the ECHL, you know, college hockey, where, whatever you're talking about, uh, has to fight this battle and uh, you know, hopefully come out on top. Well, that actually kind of leads right into our second second topic, which is. Uh, yeah, you know, things were optimistic over the summer. Then we saw some surges coming back uh, with the pandemic uh, towards the end of the summer. And now, um, you know, the NHL has managed to we, we've seen a lot of NHL players and coaches and staff members go in and out of COVID protocol, uh, whether they're symptomatic, asymptomatic, close contact, you name it. And um, 
which which is already concerning given that uh, the 99.9% of the league is uh, fully vaccinated. Um, but now we see, you know, just this past week, there was an issue that cropped up with the San Jose Sharks uh, having a bunch of people go on into COVID protocol and not uh, a day or two later, that trickled down to their AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. And we've now had, as a result of that, the AHL's first postponement of a game due to COVID-19. Uh, Patrick, do you have any additional information on that or just in general um you know we're hoping this is not going to start to become the, the new cycle again well yeah uh, and we we all that's the last thing anybody wants to see um for many reasons um one of which is obviously hockey but uh, obviously the the greater good of uh, everybody's health but i don't have a whole lot more information just Beyond the fact that uh, it's San Jose, where the Sharps and the Barracuda share a training facility. So, you know, there's a lot of crossover between players and, you know, guys come up and go down all the time. And, you know, you hear anytime you talk to anybody uh, with San Jose, that's one of the first things they say. You know, this is so convenient. We can, you know, you send a player up and down. All he has to do is walk down the hallway. Um, and so... You know, it's a, it's a situation where you do have that proximity now. So now it's crossed over into the San Jose Barracuda. And, um, you know, a day earlier, they had lost uh, five players on recall uh, to the Sharks who had that uh, that that uh, whole breakout happen to them. So um, the Barracuda were already uh, a little bit shorthanded. And then, you know, then you lose a couple more players. Um to COVID protocol and all of a sudden now you're, you're really looking at a very, very thin dealt lineup. So um, um, I don't have a whole lot more beyond that, just that this is going to be something to, to keep an eye on. And like you said, you know, 99.9% vaccination rate. I mean, really, I mean, if, if all of society uh, was uh, at that number, I think we'd have a much better outcome, but um, so to a large extent, hockey's done what you can do. I mean, you know, now do you want to, I guess the question is, do you have to look at going back to some of the protocols from last season where, you know, you're talking about distancing again, you're talking about you know, everybody kind of, you know, being in their own little bubble with, you know, away from each other, you know, beyond the ice. Um, I don't think there's a lot of appetite for that. I mean, understandably so. Uh, I don't think anybody anywhere has an appetite for that if, uh, you know, if, if we're being honest, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because you, you know, you've done the vaccination and the vaccination was, you know, not obviously it's not a hundred percent in terms of effectiveness, but there was a lot of hope that that was going to kind of be the magic bullet here. And that was going to keep uh, all this, uh, at bay. And unfortunately it's not. And, and then again, it comes back to that theme. Um, hockey's not exempt from everything going on around society and, uh, you know, uh, you can catch the virus, uh, you know, within a hockey team. You can just as easily catch it, uh, you know, when uh, when you when you stop at the grocery store on the way home and pick up uh, pick up uh, bread and milk. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, it, it's going to be more difficult this year, just in terms of rescheduling, just because you have so, so much more of a. Uh, filled out schedule, you know, 68 games uh, for some teams all the way up to 76 for others. And uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, gaps in that line, in, in that, in that calendar. Now the, I think the one beneficial thing there for San Jose is it was a game against Stockton, which is only an hour or so away. So that's pretty easy to fill in, but 
Um, you know, let's say if it was a game against Colorado or something where, you know, now you're involving airline travel. So uh, that's a lot harder to reschedule. And uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, uh, it's, it's very obvious though that the AHL is, is, is erring on the side of caution. Um, they didn't just say, well, you know what? You have to play who you play, uh, call up players if you have to. And game on. Uh, they they definitely aired on the side of caution, which I, I I'm I'm glad they are because you want to nip this in the bud as, as much as possible, and not let this uh, start to proliferate. So, and, and we've seen in other sports, um, you saw in baseball in 2020, uh, you know, it can just catch fire, and uh, once that happens, it's a lot harder to uh, get it under control. So, uh, hopefully, that this uh, this measure they took this past weekend to postpone the game will do the trick and uh, this thing won't go any further than it has. And I think that's the key because this is something obviously we're going to be talking about and it's going to come up uh, for the rest of the year and we'll see how much of an impact it has if it's minor or major. And because up till now we've had, we've had brush fryers to, to continue Mm -hmm. your, your analogy and in seeing little cases pop up here and there, they've all been with um, vaccinated um, uh, players uh, and uh, and coaches in some uh, instances, and as you said, I think that the both the AHL and NHL went into this hoping that that this was going to be the um, uh, the cure all, the magic bullet uh, that this would allow uh, the the league to get back to um, as normal as as possible, and um, this is something that's going to have to be adjusted um, as as we go along and and as you said maybe uh, some of the protocols that um, whether they have to do with the players themselves or whether they have to do with attendance and and rest- yeah. and, and dialing that back um, you know the, the the difficult thing is that the the, the science is is evolving and and we saw last week um, it was a study in the Lancet reported by Bloomberg that, uh, vaccinated people are just as likely as unvaccinated people uh, to spread. Uh, now, they were talking about the, the Delta variant, which is prevalent throughout uh, North America. Um, and so that says, okay, the, 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 in, in that respect, the vaccine isn't uh, what the leagues um, thought it was going to do for the leagues. So there, there might have to be other adjustments. Um, but can it be, you know, how can it be managed? How can it be managed, uh, for safety? And, um, you know, as you said, there's, there's not, um, there's not any appetite on for either league to go back into a bubble situation. Um, and that certainly doesn't help what we were talking about, um, in the first part of this discussion. And that's the, uh, the attendance and the financial issues that result from that. Absolutely. I th- I think it's, I mean, if there's if there was a common thread that we've had all summer long and and particularly coming into the preseason it was that this season uh a lot rides on this season for the AHL in particular um but that the situation is as far as attendance as far as far as vaccination as far as covid protocols was going to be very fluid all season uh and it's already we're a mu- we're not even a month into the regular season and we're already seeing that being the case um so I think, uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a, a continued topic of conversation. I just we can all keep our fingers crossed that it's that it doesn't get substantially uh, worse as the season goes on. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, perhaps we need to just 
recalibrate um, our expectations for the season. I think um, if you go back six months ago, there was the hope and I think a pretty good sense of confidence that this would be 100% back to normal season and um, you'd have full billions and you'd have uh, COVID would be just a bad memory. And COVID has shown that it, it has a lot more staying power and it's lingering far beyond, I think, what anybody uh, had hoped, certainly, and, and had thought. You know, I thought, I think a lot of people thought, you know, last April that, all right, vaccinations are going to come in and they're going to shut this thing down and this is going to be the end of it. And uh, like Rick said, you know, even for the vaccinated, uh, there is still that spreading issue. And, um, you know, obviously, there, you know, the U.S. vaccination rate, for example, is only around 58%. So, you know, there's there's still a lot of gaps as well. So um, so maybe we just have to expect that this season's uh, it's going, to, going to be better than it was last year, but maybe we, we can't necessarily um, hold it to the same um, standard that we would at a more normal season like the one we had hoped this would be. So we do have, uh, you know, Despite the fact that we're not quite a month into the regular season, it has been quite an, uh, an eventful first few weeks around the AHL. Um, and it's already giving us a glimpse into uh, what teams are coming out pretty hot, which teams are, are not faring so well. Um, and there could be some, I think for, for some AHL fans, some surprises into who would fall into those uh, two categories. Um Patrick, I would say let's first start with, uh, with, well, maybe who's not living up to the expectations that were expected coming into the season. I think right off the bat, you have to start with Lehigh Valley. Um, that was a team very active in the summer. Um, they went and they made uh, some real nice additions. They brought in Jerry Mayhew, who was an absolute sniper for the Iowa Wild for a number of years, and. Um, they got Morgan Frost down from the Philadelphia Flyers. That was uh, maybe a little bit unexpected and um, kind of a you know a nice bonus for the Phantoms in terms of uh, dropping a player of that caliber into the lineup. Um, they Cam York, a first-round pick. They brought in Adam Clendenning, a longtime defenseman. And uh, for some reason, it just hasn't clicked yet. Uh, they don't have... They have 10 goals in seven games, which is just not going to get it done. Uh, they have uh, kind of a younger goaltending core, uh, including Samuel Urson, who's uh, coming over from the Swedish Hockey League. So there's a bit of an adjustment there that you have to uh, factor in. New head coach, obviously, mm -hmm. Ian LaPerriere. So there's some, to some extent, there's a, uh, a, you know, a an adjustment period uh, coming off uh, having Scott Gordon there behind the bench for, for a long time. But it's not working well so far. And, and, and you know, the points now, uh, it's the old cliche, they matter just as much in October as they do in, in April. And seven games in, you have two points to show for it, both overtime losses. Uh, that's just not going to cut it so far. It's, uh, it's, it's been... It's been a struggle watching the Phantoms. Um, it's it's it. There are periods where they are clearly uh, making the effort, and, and in some cases, the better team on the ice. Uh, but it's they're not finishing. They're not finding the back of the net, as you said. Um, and uh, the guys who are you would think would be producing are are not doing so um, as of yet. So 
And it doesn't even seem to be a leadership issue. They have they no. have a pretty good uh, leader, and they just seem out of sync somehow. I would, yeah, I w- I would totally agree with that. I think it's a little early to, I know, uh, you know, Flyers Nation probably wants to start piling on Ian LaPerry here. I think it's a little early to do that. Um, give give the guy a chance here. Um, it, it's a bit early to do that, and and I, you know, I I think. There's an entirely new coaching staff, so there's kings to work out there, but but they've got to come up with a win soon or it's going to get dire. Exactly, because that just, you know, the longer you go, it just it gets more into everybody's head and then, you know, just compounds the issues. And before you know it, that, that you know, 0-7 start, you know, is, you know, you're, you know, whatever, 0-12 and, and then... At that point, the season almost becomes a write-off in terms of uh, you know playoff chances, and especially in that division, it's going to be obviously a very tough division, um, kind of top to bottom. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of real strong clubs in that division, so you don't really have any luxury of going on what is essentially right now a seven-game losing streak. Uh, you don't have that in the middle of the season, least of all in the, in the start of the season, where you're, you're trying to get you know, you're trying to get your systems down. You're trying to establish a certain way of playing and, and, and you know that message is a lot easier to get across to players if there's some results to show for it not seven consecutive losses so on the flip side of things um who is looking good around the league so far uh and is are any of them a a, a bit of a surprise well um the ontario rain i guess it depends um how you look at it. Uh, last year, they had a really difficult start uh, early on. Uh, they had one win in, I think, their first 13 games. Rookie coach uh, John Robluski, who came in from the U.S. National Development Program, uh, but he stuck with it. And um, that team, in the second half of last season, I mean, and of course, it's difficult to assess everything from last season because it was so chaotic and, and so atypical, but they became a dangerous team in the second half, and they were able to um, disrupt some opposing teams that uh, had had their number earlier in that year. And now this year, they're they're out uh, six wins in the first seven games, um, first in the uh, first in the league in points, uh, and that work that Robleski put in last year is really starting to show in terms of uh, you know what they have. And they in to LA. To LA's credit, the front office there, they went out, they got uh, TJ Tynan, the uh, reigning MVP. They got uh, Jack Garrett Sparks, a uh, former goalie of the year in this league. So they really solidified themselves, you know, in some of, the, some of that way. It was such a young team last year. Uh, the rookies were asked to do so much, and now they have somebody that can, uh, you know, pull the weight a little bit more. And, uh, you know, Cameron Gauntz is there, uh, highly respected uh, veteran defenseman. So I really like what they've done there in Ontario. Um, what about, you know, this is going to be one, we talked about the Phantoms there for a second, uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, mention our, our Laval listeners as well, uh, who may mm-hmm. have been a little surprised that Laval dropped both games against the Rochester Americans this past weekend. Yes. Well, they, they, I'm sure they were surprised, but they shouldn't be, uh, that Rochester team, they play hard and, and, and Seth Appert, uh, who, you know, interestingly enough is a, uh, uh, also from that U.S. development program, came in last season. Uh, uh, long, long-time college coach, uh, had a lot of success there um, as well. And um, 
being part of that Buffalo Sabres uh, system right now is not easy, uh, just in terms of uh, what the expectations were coming into this season. Uh, and Seth Appert will tell you time and time again, I mean, Buffalo's rebuild goes through Rochester. And so they're, they, they've really put a, a very uh, significant effort in there into really overhauling the culture there, uh, getting uh, some real strong leadership. They brought in Michael Mersch last year, a highly respected uh veteran forward who is now their captain. Um, they brought in Mark Jankowski this season. Uh, so they've, they've done some nice work in that regard. And I think, again, a lot like Ontario, um, that work that Seth Apper did last year, even with some turnover during the offseason, is starting to pay off. And just there's a certain standard now. There's a certain way to play that even if they don't necessarily get results every night, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a much more – uh, pesky opponents uh, than they've been in past seasons. So, um, you know, Rochester, I mean, good for those fans if this can uh, if this can continue because those fans, I mean, for years and years and years have just gone through a very difficult time. And all the Buffalo Sabres issues for the past decade eventually have found their way down to Rochester in one form or another. And, uh, you know, so it's been a tough road uh, for a team that once was really the uh, kind of the gold standard of the American Hockey League for such a long time, um, you know, to go through this period. But uh, it looks early on, I think, with Seth Abbott that they're starting to find their way uh, out of that uh, that uh, lost period that they were in for such a long time. And Rick, we uh, Laval did play uh, Rochester a couple of times this week. I know you you were even making some comments in our in our Slack thread and so forth that there were some players on Rochester's team that that you've seen that that you're pretty impressed with uh, even coming in even before they were playing for Rochester. Well, um, I just like the balance uh, of the club and and um, we we've all we've talked many times about how uh, a successful uh, AHL uh, team needs a balance of of AHL vets as well as the prospects, and it seems like uh, at least early in the season that 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 both groups are contributing for the Rochester um, ro- roster. And and uh, and as you said, uh, um, Patrick, the, they're just a team that works really hard and and you have the 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 veterans like Mersh and Jankowski and and even a, a name we recognize Brandon Davidson and mm-hmm. and uh, and Aaron Dell in goal uh but you have all of these um exciting prospects Jack Quinn of course is uh, off to a great start I I like uh, Linus Weisbeck when he played with uh, Wisconsin JJ Paterka recent uh, draft pick is is there it's a uh, it's a team that's that's uh, come together very quickly and it's a, it's a team where finally at long last the Buffalo Sabres are taking a patient approach with prospects I'm sure there's a temptation to, to bring Jack Quinn up there you know he's a First round pick, eighth overall. You want to have him up in the Buffalo uh, lineup as fast as possible, kind of justify that pick. But they're taking their time with him. They they put him in in Rochester last season as an eighteen year old. Uh, I think he learned a lot there, um, benefited quite a bit. And and JJ Paterka, same thing. Uh, he had uh, played over in Germany last year, so a higher level experience. Uh, but he's only nineteen years old, and uh, but he has a motor, and he. he He's constantly on the forecheck. And, yeah. and for me, he really epitomizes what this new Rochester team looks like. Uh, just a, a team that's constantly in your face, uh, heavy on the forecheck, just always buzzing. And uh, 
and again, a lot of that comes back to, to Seth Afford and, and the standard that he sets with that team, uh, that there's going to be a certain expectation that uh, you're going to work and you're going to uh, every shift go hard and there's not going to be this uh, you know typical like, well, here we go again. You know, we're, we're behind. We're just going to write this game off and you know, we'll come out next time. You know, it's just like keep going, keep going. And, you know, I think that's a real credit to what he's done. He's had, made a really nice adjustment coming out of the uh, amateur and the college world and really adjusted well uh, to dealing with pros and, uh, you know, walked into a really difficult situation last year. Uh, took over for Chris Taylor, uh, who had been a very popular uh, head coach in Rochester for a long time. Um, came in and had the mandate to really uh, overhaul this development program and get some of these players ready to play in Buffalo long-term. And uh, easier said than done, of course. And um, But he's, uh, you know, slowly but surely started to turn things around. And really, I, I, he's right. Anything that eventually uh, happens at Buffalo is going to be the result of what they're doing in Rochester now. Well, it is, uh, it's pretty fun to see some teams really uh, coming off to a, uh, coming out to a really, really quick start. Um, we're not going to go into them in, in depth, but I know we also talked uh, pre-show that, you know, Utica is another one. Springfield is an, is, is another one that Thunderbirds are really making their own push as well. So despite the fact that in some areas attendance numbers are down, the fact of the matter remains the AHL is putting on good quality, competitive, very entertaining hockey uh, so far early in the season. And there's some teams that are really, uh, really fun to watch. And it's just really great to see uh, some young prospects already starting to make their mark on the league. And as we talked about, um, no change in Hershey, no change in Chicago. <laughs> they just keep winning. Uh, somehow, they somehow. just keep winning. If only they is there like a magic sauce that they give out in those in those cities? You know, it's. They always find a way to do it. Uh, well, Patrick, uh, we can't thank you enough, of course, for joining us for another AHL Hot Stove. Of course, if you missed uh, last week's edition of Patrick's uh, biweekly article at the AHL Report under review, um, Patrick, you uh, it was it was a it was kind of a, a deep look at a conversation that you had with Rory Somers uh, recently, mm -hmm. which was which was very fun. Definitely go check that out and. Uh, we know you'll have another great addition for us uh, next Wednesday. Yeah. In an ideal world, I would have Roy Sommer <laughs> every time. <because laughs> he does most of your work for you. I mean, he's such a quotable uh, uh, coach and just, I mean, his fantastic stories. I mean, first California born player uh, to come into uh, really Western, uh, well, with the, at the time, the, the, uh, WCHL, which was kind of the predecessor of today's WHL. And um, so he came in there as a California-born player at a time when that was just absolutely unheard of, uh, mid-70s, and uh, then played in the Pacific Hockey League, which uh, was a league that actually at one point had. Uh, the, the person we know is O.D. Oglethorpe, um, you know, <laughs> Bill Goldthorpe uh, played in that league. So uh, I, I've had some times with Roy Sommer where we sit down and, you know, he just tells me some of these stories and you're just, you're, you're, your head almost pops off just because it's just, you're like, wow. I mean, you hear about these stories, you read about them, but to hear them actually told by some, somebody who experienced it firsthand. And uh, I think the thing with Roy is just, uh, he's been able to adjust through the years. I mean, he's 64 years old, but um he relates really well to his players. I mean, who are, you know, a lot of cases, what, you know, 45 years younger than him. 
Uh, and yet he closes that generation gap and, uh, you know, really manages to connect with players. And uh, his, his record speaks for himself. 130 players he sent up to the NHL. Um, a number of uh, high, high, big name San Jose Sharks through the years. 24th season now running the AHL bench for San Jose. And uh, doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing down or, uh, or stopping anytime soon. Well, we uh, it, it was a it was a very fun article. In fact, I we're not going to spoil it. We want people to go read it if you did happen to miss it. But there was a, a particular quote uh, in there that I know Rick even commented on in Slack that he thought was a tremendous idea for Roy Summers. So. Well, I think for for the Rocket Sports team, we might be uh, setting up a camping adventure. Oh, uh, yeah. wow! <laughs> Excellent! Excellent! I love it. Um, Patrick, thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Uh, can't wait to have you back in two more weeks, chock full of more little nuggets and tidbits from around the AHL. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, we certainly thank Patrick for joining us uh, again. And if, as we mentioned, had a great under review article on AHLReport.com last Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday, he'll be back uh, with another edition of Under Review at AHLReport.com. Uh, before then, if you want to check out some of his recent writing, he has a new article out over at the AHL's website. Um on Manny Viveros, head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, kicking off Hockey Fights Cancer Month. Of course, Viveros uh, battling uh, prostate cancer back behind the bench. It's a it's a it's a great story if you want to check that out. But Rick, uh, that leads us actually right into the fact that the AHL once again this year is joining the NHL's Hockey Fights Cancer Initiative. And so we can expect to see uh, lots of great fundraising action across the league this month. For sure. Um, and we, we've seen all kinds of, of uh, initiatives throughout uh, the AHL. And then that leads into our own uh, uh, contributions that we make to uh, the Movember campaign. That's right. Uh, the Rocket Sports Media team is back at it for Movember again this year. We've got seven team members on the team this year. Um, and it's it's going to be great. Some people are doing the mustache thing. They're going to be posting the updates on on how the mo is coming in. Uh, some of us, like myself, are participating in the move challenge, trying to get uh, trying to log as many uh, miles or kilometers as we can throughout the month. We've got a little internal competition going on um, about that, um, and uh, all of it is for. Um, the benefit of Movember, the charitable organization out of Canada dedicated to uh, raising funds for men's health, be it uh, prostate cancer, mental health, uh, anything related to men's health. It's such an important cause, Rick. Um, and we're going to beat. We know, you know, our our listeners and fans and supporters always come out and and really come through for us uh, in the November month for this fundraiser. But I just have the feeling we're going to beat our we're going to beat last year's numbers. I think we will. Um, <laughs> and yes, we we appreciate those of you who who contribute uh, your money, your donations, not to us, but to the Movember Foundation, uh, who, uh, fund, uh, projects, uh, health projects for men's health, whether they be, uh, the physical health, mental health, uh, uh, for men, uh, the men that, that, uh, in our lives that we love. Um, and, and, and we do, 
we do things to get your attention. Um, so right. <laughs> in order to, to facilitate that, in order to collect your, your money. So some uh, will be uh, participating in this move challenge and, and there's a, 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 a counter on our, our, on our webpage on, uh, on November that shows uh, the 28 kilometers have been uh, walked already by our, our group for those participating wow. in the move challenge. Some will be growing mustaches. Why do you grow mustaches? Uh, why do you grow those those um, you know those crazy mustaches that are either <laughs> uh, you know reminiscent of of the seventies or whatever? Well, it's to get your attention and and say why are you growing that mustache? That's right. And it gives you the opportunity to talk about Movember. It gives you the opportunity to talk about men's physical and and mental health. Uh, for me, um, yes, th there'll be uh, s some facial hair involved, but um, what I haven't done over the last 21 months is get a haircut. And really? um, I, I, th being trying to be as safe as I can with respect to the pandemic, um, I've just cut out haircuts. Um, I will be getting a haircut and I'll, <laughs> I'll be doing it as safe as I, I can possibly do. Um, but for the people in, in, in my sphere, in my bubble, they'll say, w w w wait a minute. Um, weren't you the guy with the, you know, the Sammy Niku hair a, a minute ago? Um, and the, the, the Carlson hair, the, whatever kind of hair sure. you want to describe it as. And it will give me my opportunity to talk about Movember, to talk about men's health, uh, and to invite, either the participation to join our team to to raise money or a contribution. That's what this this month is about. That's what we're going to be doing. And we're going to, I think, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, doing it. I think we are as well. So Rick is right. There are two ways. If you would like to uh, get involved and help us raise money for Men's Health for Movember, there's two ways for you to do that. You can either join our Movember team and, and add your own mustache or move challenge to it and and create a team and, and start raising funds within the rocket sports team itself uh on november or you can simply visit the page and if you if you feel the need or or the desire to make a donation we certainly would appreciate that as well two ways you can do that you can either go to moteam.co slash allhabs i'll say that again moteam.co slash all habs or just head over to the ahl report website ahlreport.com click on the post for this podcast and there is a link right in the post you can just click that link and uh it'll send you right on your way uh we thank you in advance for your support we're going to be talking about this often throughout the month give you updates on the progress of the team on how the mows are looking and how the how the the miles and kilometers are racking up um and we appreciate all of your support, even if it's just as simple as, you know, if, if it's just not in the budget for you to make a donation this year, the best thing that you could do for us is just to share our Twitter posts and go to the Mo Movember, our Movember webpage and share it on your social media uh, just to spread the word and maybe encourage others to make a donation. That's a way that you can get involved and help as well, just by spreading the word uh, and helping us raise money. Um, and for Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, they will have their respective hockey fights, cancer nights uh, at home 
this month, the Laval Rockets coming up on November 13th, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms on November 27th. So look out for those nights as well. All right, Rick. Well, with that underway, um, I'm looking at the watch and I guess I better start. It sounds like I'm way behind on logging my own miles and kilometers. So I better lace up the sneakers. All right. (laughs) And there's a lot of great hockey uh, coming up this week, both for the Phantoms and the Laval Rocket. And uh, our AHL report team is on the task. So uh, we will report back next Tuesday with all of the latest hockey news. Thank you so much for listening. We hope uh, that you enjoy your week. It's November. Bundle up. It's a, it's definitely uh, getting much colder. Uh, don't forget, clocks go back this weekend. You get an extra hour of sleep. And uh, that means you'll be ready for us, uh, refreshed on Tuesday for another Great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.